Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath, coming at you with a conversation that's going to get your mind in the right spot, especially if you're going to the National. I got my man, Justin, 610 Sports Cards, on the podcast. He is a National veteran, and we are having a conversation about the dealer perspective, giving you some insight on what's going on in the dealer's head before you step on that show floor and start making deals. A lot of good insights here from a hobby veteran. You're not going to want to miss this one, especially if you're going to the National. You like what I'm doing over here? Just tell a damn friend that you're enjoying this Stacking Slabs podcast. Without further ado, let's kick into the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I'm excited to bring a repeat guest on. And I he's like Mr. National. I don't know. Whenever the National comes around, I see his face on content talking about things that I was like, you know what? Like we I don't want to rehash and go over what everyone else is already doing, but more or less kind of maybe share some perspective from from the dealer side of the table. We'll get into some kind of first time stuff, but want everyone who is going to maybe understand the dealer mentality. And that's going to be the punchline of the conversation today. But without further ado, I've got Justin, you know him as 610 Sports Cards on Instagram. Justin, welcome back. How are you, man? I'm great, Brett. We were uh, talking beforehand. It's it's taking a little bit longer for me to uh, to get the national juices flowing this year, just with a whole bunch of other stuff going on. But we're we're finally there one week away. And I've, I very quickly realized that I am way behind schedule for, for the stuff that I normally do to, to prepare for the show. So just add it to my, add it to my list of to do's, but those are, those are the, the good to do's that usually get done first. Um, so yeah, it's, it's time to start pricing and, and prepping and, and getting ready for uh, what's always the, the biggest week of the year for us. And so for all the listeners, just so you know, um, because likely unless you're on Instagram and you see a clip of this, you won't see it. Just want to like Justin always dresses up for the occasion. He's got his four horsemen t-shirt on, um, which if you're going to be a guest on stacking slabs and you wear a wrestling t-shirt, the likelihood of you being a repeat uh, guest goes up tremendously. So four horsemen, you can't really go wrong, right, Justin? It's uh, it's the cheapest possible heat I can think of for, for whenever <laughs> I get to talk to you. So just, just like the, just like a, a wrestler, popping uh popping the crowd for saying the name of the town they're in it's yeah. if, I, if i can if i can wear a wrestling t-shirt on your pod then i i know i'm already in the uh in the black instead of the red that's right um so i mentioned like i don't know you've done over the last like two three years i've seen you just talk about the national you're always you've been someone who's been forever um and you're always kind of on other content platforms sharing advice like how, how do you think like how did you become like one of like the national guys do you just think based on you being there, building relationships, I'd love to maybe get your feedback on just like you are a point of reference for, for everyone. So maybe just share some insight there. No, that's, that's a good question. Now you gotta, I gotta think a little bit. I think if I had to guess, it probably started um, way back in the early days of the old cardboard Chronicles podcast. Um, Cause I know when Josh came to his first, first national in 20, 2018, I think in Cleveland, he and I walked around the show uh, just talked about, 
who's who, what's what, where's where, and all that, and all that good stuff. Um, and I think the next year I came back when he was uh, firing up the podcast and we did kind of our first, I think it was two and a half hours, just kind of marathon data dump session of what all this stuff is, what it means, um, trying to trying to cover every single piece, possible piece of ground uh, that that you could cover when it comes to talking about what's going on uh, the week of the show. Um, and then from from there, you know, hopped on a few other ones. Um, and there's just like we talked about a little bit beforehand, too. There's there's so many great options now in terms of the 101s, the, the do's and don'ts. And we'll, we'll definitely get in some do's and don'ts. But um, there, there's just so much great content around the national right now, whether it's you want to you want to deep dive for hours or you want to quick hits, 10, 15, 20 minute videos with guys like Ryan Card Collector, too. I'm sorry, no free ads, but I think we can agree. Ryan's OK. There's all just different ways to consume different types of national content. So, um, Brett, I think you, I think you're really onto something with just talking about a more dealer centric focused. And it, it was big and helpful for me too to just be able to sit down and take some time because, of course, the dealer stuff comes up uh, for a few minutes of every one of the the long haul pods. But just to try and think about, all right, what is it that that I'm trying to accomplish? What are kind of some of the impressions or preconceptions that folks might have when they approach a dealer's table? How to maybe overcome some of those or, or just, just make sure you're having your, your best show because it's um, you know, the, the dealer customer relationship shouldn't be adversarial. It shouldn't be intimidating. It should be, it should just be people talking about guards. So I think it'll be, I think it'll be a good, good way to uh, reframe some of the, some of the stuff. Yeah. And so well, I want to spend a majority of our time there, but maybe before we do that, what would be like the primary one-on-one type of, uh, comments that you'd make just for people going to the show for the first time, like do's don'ts, like yep. at the t- highest level possible, what you think people should know about. Yeah, for sure. My, uh, my default is uh phone chargers, but evidently other, other content creators were kind of dumping on people who just say, bring phone chargers. So <laughs> bring a phone charger, but don't bring a phone charger, but bring a phone charger. Um, my biggest thing, my main thing is time management. I I cannot begin to, express how quickly the time goes. And I don't care if you're there for the full Monday night through Sunday long haul, if you're there for the weekend, if you're there for a day, a half day, whatever, whatever the case might be, you know, we all have a finite amount of time at that show. At some point, the week's going to run out and the show's over. So it's important to sit down, whether you're just an attendee or a dealer, um, figure out what do you want to accomplish? Like, what are, what are some of your goals to uh, that you want boxes you want to check when you're going to the show. Is it is it RCR with Beckett? Is it dropping stuff off at PSA? Is it taking advantage of like Panini or Tops promos? Is it you know getting in-person autos at the the different autograph options that they have of guys signing in person? Um, is it just going and looking looking for cards? Is it memorabilia? Are you dropping stuff off for consignment? Is it hopefully this one's towards the top of everybody's list, but is it meeting the other collectors that you talk to on the internet all the time? You know, that's over a half dozen things just off the top of my head that again, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that those take that much time in and of themselves or that they somehow blend together. But as the week goes on, as the hours go on, you're like, Oh my God, I've, I've been waiting, you know, like at the Panini booth for um, silver packs from, you know, for wax promo buys. And I've been staying here for two damn hours. And it's like, well, shit, that's, that's a quarter of the day right there. So I think it's, it's really valuable to go through and, figure out not only how much time you're going to be there, what are you trying to do? Try and prioritize prioritize that list 
Um, because not only do the, the big things, like I just mentioned, take time, but like the, the things that you think would be easy also take time. And I always throw out as the example, um, you know, you, you grab some cards from a, a dollar box or you pick up a nice, a nice card for your PC and it's in some garbage uh, one-touch mag. Um, and you're like, I'm just going to go find some supplies real quick. It shouldn't take too long. You know, you go to your local show. There's a guy you can see from across the room. He's got his booth to buy some, some top loaders, some penny sleeves, and you're good to go. Like there's only three or four guys that that sell supplies at the national, and that's out of you know 600, 650, 700 booths or whatever. So that walking, potentially walking from one end of the show, looking for this guy, trying to figure out where he is, maybe hopefully he's still got what you're looking for in stock. Because again, it, it, the, those guys kind of have a, a a stranglehold on the the supply angle at the show, so that stuff sells out really quickly. So again, something that at your local show would maybe take ten minutes total could take you 30 to 45 minutes from start to finish just to um, to get that that simple task done. And again, that's just more time away from um, the, the good, the meaty stuff that you're trying to accomplish. So, you know, by no means does time management mean that you have to go through and have everything, you know, just like lawyer style down to 10 minute buckets of I got to <laughs> I want to be at my buddy's table at 950. And then by 10 a.m. I need to be here and 1020. And so you don't need to get that deep in the weeds. Um, but a little prep work just will definitely help you go a long way in terms of figuring out what it is that you want to do and, and when and how you want to do it. And I will shout out the, the national website, nsccshow.com. Um, I was uh, browsing around there a little bit before you and I started talking. Um, and they do, they do a much better job now with a full schedule of um, when the doors open, frequently asked questions, uh, when guys like the certain pavilions are open, stuff like that. Um, so that's super helpful. And then if there's certain guys that you want to see too, whether it's your local dealers or like, you know, you want to go see RBI crew, Ryan and the gang, um, you can go to the uh, the dealer information tab on the NSCC website and you can see a list of both all of the dealers that'll be there and then a floor plan of, of where they're going to be. So spend some time, especially if there's specific folks that you want to see ahead of time, you can control F their name in the PDF document. Uh, look up, see what their booth number is, and then you can take that booth number and, and control F, look that up on the, the floor plan so you can give yourself a sense for, of, okay, this is the show space, got autographs on the far left, you got the corporate pavilions in the middle, you got the breakers on the far right, and then booths in between. So um, I, that, that's one of the big things that I need to go through and do because I my old behind takes a, a small, just kind of almost newsy reporter type notebook and writes down a list of 20 to 30 booth names and numbers of guys that I want to catch up with or guys that I bought from uh, in the past that I, I want to stop by. So again, just, just little things that you can do to get start getting acquainted with the show. It's always overwhelming. I don't care if you've been once or a hundred times, um, you're always going to take those first few steps on the floor and be like, wow, okay, this is, this is a lot. Um, so the more you can do to prepare for that and just kind of ease the show for, or ease into the show for yourself, it'll, it'll definitely pay dividends. So if we were uh, hitting control F looking up 610 sports cards, uh, where mm -hmm. are we going? Where are we going to find you? What's your so, booth number? Yeah. Who are you going to be hanging out with? So we are, uh, we are booth 2845. So that is going to be in the, uh, the back ish left corner by the, the autograph pavilion. Um, I think it's like the second to the last row, but it is, it's a forward facing booth. So it looks into the show. Um, so you will likely be able to see me towering over everybody else. Um, but it will be myself. It will be uh, John at, uh, oh, I got to type this into Instagram. I don't want to screw this up. At Spur Fanatic. 
the big Tim Duncan guy and God knows what else he's collecting these days. I can never keep up. Uh, Card Collector 291, uh, Michael Kramer, um, the big Dr. J guy, Kobe guy, and everything else under the sun guy. Andy Aharm, 82. Um, He's got all kinds of random stuff that people always want, and I never understand how he's selling so much, and I'm not. Keep your comments to yourself, you and the peanut gallery. And then uh, Kevin, and Kevin is house of house underscore of underscore NBA underscore uh, cards. Um, And Kevin just has all kinds of uh, great stuff, mainly basketball as well. But um, we are, we are definitely a much more modern, modern being nineties and above, which I know is vintage for some people, but we'll save that discussion for a different day. Um, But it's, it's primarily basketball. um, Lots of good stuff from young guys, old guys and in between. So uh, it's a good group. We've been setting up together, I think for about four four cycles, four years now in some way, shape or form. So super excited to have them back. And the great thing is all the booths are 10 by 15 booths. So we have, I think that's, we did the math and it's about 13 showcases worth of, worth of stuff. So it'll be a lot of, a lot of good stuff, all cards. There won't be any, anything impeding that progress or anything like that. So uh, come look for us. I think we are kind of jammed in between some memorabilia. I think we're jammed in between like a memorabilia booth and an auction house house booth. So that's kind of sucks, but you know, whatever, just come look for the nice cards and you'll find them. So we're going to get into the, the kind of the dealer mentality and Justin's the guy to kind of give some insight on that. But before we do maybe like preview preview with anyone out there listening, who's going to stop by your booth. Like what, what are some show pieces that you will have in your sh- showcase that if anyone's interested in having a conversation, because a lot of what we're going to be talking about, I think is like, the negotiation mentality of the dealer. Mm-hmm. So maybe preview some cards that'll be in your showcase. Uh, so I actually, I just picked these up this morning, um, but it's, it's this type of stuff. So this is a, it's a, it's the Zion 101 elite rookie um, from 1920. So I'll definitely have this. Um, I got this about a month ago. It's the Jordan 0304 exquisite triple patch, 10 of 10. Um, and I also, I have the one of 10 version of this with the, he's in the, uh, I think it's a red away Jersey, but he's in the, he's in the 11s. Um, so yeah, I'll have, I'll have both of those. And it, it's just stuff like that. You know, we, it's, it's primarily, uh, my focus is high end Jordan, Kobe, LeBron type stuff. There's, there's others obviously, but um, that's kind of where I, where I've, I've made my bones the past many, many years. Um, and for me, like this is the one time of year that I'll, I'll bring almost everything that I've got and, and put it out. You know, it'll, it'll have a, an asking price and, some of those asking prices will reflect the different degrees to which I hope to go home with the card. Um, but you know, a lot of the stuff that I'll bring is stuff that I, I never, I, I don't make it available any other time other than um, this week. So uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun stuff. You can definitely see more of it. If you just scroll, scroll pretty far down uh, into the, the 610 sports cards, Instagram account, cause it's not the stuff that sees the light of day very often. So it's always fun to enjoy, enjoy the bulk of it once a year, put it out in a case, look at it let it breathe a little bit. And then it goes back into the safe deposit box, the other 360 or so days of the year. I'm very familiar with a majority of the dealers that you referenced. And if you're looking for nice cards, uh, you should stop by that area because uh, even if you're not buying, you'll see some stuff that you've probably never seen before, which is always fun. Maybe we start here uh, just talking about goals. And I know like Mm -hmm. you can't speak for every dealer in the national uh, who's setting up at the national, but I think your experience should shed some light on just some, like maybe how some dealers are thinking about, like, what are your goals when you're getting into a big show like the national? 
Yeah, I think for um, for me, and, and I've been doing the the sports card thing full time for about a year and a half, so it has it has shifted a little bit, but it still kind of surprisingly follows a just a traditional um, formula that I had, and it's like you know I I try and sell a few things, I try and buy a few things, and I try and trade a few things, and what the those are usually you know like stuff for a more personal collection focus, so things that again you might not see all the time. Um, hopefully try and find one or two of those um, items that that I can flip and make some money on and, and pay for show costs. Uh, those are always uh, nice. And then for me, like this is where I, I usually take a ri- or a flyer on like a prospect and a quote unquote prospect for me is, I mean, I think I finally bought a Kawhi NTRPA after he had won like finals MVP and won a chip with the Raptors. So that's my idea of prospecting. I'm very risk averse. Um, but this is usually when I, I look to jump into something like that because this this is the this is typically in the the normal buying cycle. It's the the softest time for for basketball pricing. So um, I I feel like I'm getting a, a bit of a discount if that's um, if I there's somebody that I'm looking for that I want to just ride with them for the upcoming year and I can find something uh, something nice at the show. But I think broader dealer goals and you know this can this translates to, to customer goals as well. But um, I think I think it's pretty it should be pretty consistent for, for most guys, obviously dealers want to sell. Um, they're, they're there to, the priority would be selling. Um, there are show costs that you will see, or you actually, I should say you won't see, but those will oftentimes be baked into sticker prices of the cards you're looking at to, um, varying degrees. Uh, and I know that for myself, it's it's always one of those things, and I'm sure for everybody who's been as well, um, probably when they see my cards too. But there there are different degrees of sticker shock that you can expect to see, um, and just know that those can reflect some of the costs that a dealer has to set up. Um, those can also be, you know, how much of a hit a dealer or a customer is is willing to take on a card because as we no, as we've often joked about, oftentimes with a, a tear in our eyes, like 2021 was the year of cards go up. 2022 is the year of, of cards go down. So we're, we're definitely, as crazy as it is, 12 months removed from last year's national and we're, the hobby's just in a very, a very different position. So, um, you know, I can certainly speak from personal experience, some things that, that I bought, even recent stuff is, is already showing signs of continuing softening up. So, you know, different dealers will have different levels of how willing they are to to take a loss. Um, And if that's selling a card outright for cash, I would imagine that the openness to taking a, a hit in the pocket is something that they would prefer to avoid. With that being said, I would say that trading, I think, is going to play a much bigger part in the national this year um, for both customers and dealers alike. Because if you if you bought a card for a thousand bucks and it's worth five hundred dollars now, I would say that it's it's much easier to convert that five hundred dollars into or rationalize it to yourself into cards of a guy that you're much more excited about that you see as having potential upside. Because you're you're essentially yes, you are taking. You're taking a hit, but that hit is immediately going back into something that you're excited about and you see uh, potential and upside for. Um, whereas if you're if you're just getting 500 bucks cash, now it's kind of like, oh, okay, now I have to go out and I have to go out and spend this somewhere else. And you know, am I going to run into um, the, finding the things that I want, but they're still not quite at current market value? So that 
that card that should be $500 is 700 bucks and the dealer won't budge. And then you, you ultimately go home with cash, which don't get me wrong. That's, that's a good thing, but it just requires additional time and, and, and legwork in order to put that money into play. So I think people will be much more willing to, to trade out of losses this year than to um, take actual financial losses by selling for significantly less than, than what they had at stuff. And with that, I think one of the exercises that I certainly need to do, and I would encourage others to do as well, is kind of assess your cards and the inventory you're taking before the show. You know, can you prioritize the things that you're willing to take a hit on at current market value versus those where you're still not ready to, to pull the ripcord? You know, what are those cards? What percentage of a hit are you willing to take um, in order to get out from underneath that? Because the, the worst thing you can have right now is just is, is just dead inventory. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of this too. It's like moving stuff at less than what you valued it at initially or what you paid for it, it, it sucks. It's not fun. Um, but if it's just, if something is stagnating and it has stagnated at a, at a bottom um, for, you know, weeks, months, or whatever the case might be, don't just continue to hold that stuff hoping that we get back to the 2021 cards only go up um, mentality. You know, it's, if, if you feel better about holding on to something a little bit longer than others, that's fine. It doesn't need to be a um, one fell swoop, but at the same time, like recognize that some of that inventory is not doing you a lot of good sitting around. And if you can put that inventory into some things that you're more excited about um, at a loss that you're comfortable with or a, a, a value that you're comfortable with, then that, that should be, um, an important part of what you're trying to accomplish when you're um, when you're at the show. And again, I'm basically talking to myself right now because I got to go through all my stuff and be like, bad, bad, worse, worse, and just see, you know, what am I what am I going to be more flexible with uh, when it comes time to start talking deals? Because it's it's going to happen, and I we all just need to be ready for it. Talking deals and talking about someone coming up to your booth, seeing a card that they like, maybe like share some perspective on you've been to several of these shows and not just the national setup it shows in general maybe walk through the listeners like from your perspective what is like the ideal scenario in just community like the fundamentals communication mm -hmm. like conversation like what is ideal for you and typically what you found gets a deal done where both parties are happy about it and maybe like what's the not so good side of deal making that uh you're you expect to have happen, but you don't necessarily want to have happen. Yeah. Uh, oh boy. Uh, I'll try not to talk for 30 <laughs> minutes straight. Um, but the, the first, the first thing, the, the most important thing, and I, I say this all the time, but I, it's, it's always worth uh, repeating. Like respect is the first and foremost thing. It, you know, I don't, I don't care if you're coming up to my table or I'm coming up to your table, um, where you are in terms of in front or behind of that table shouldn't dictate how somebody treats you. So just right off the rip, some dealers are, are going to be pricks. I, it happens every year. They'll, you know, you'll try and be polite and do your thing and they won't give you the time of day or they'll just yell a number at you. And, you know, you'll either make an offer or ask, is there any, any room on that? And they'll just like, no, nothing we can do. Or some, some just don't even answer. So in that case, just, you know, just grab your bag and, and walk away. There's, there's nothing that, um, that you can really do on, on that front. You're going to get frustrated at some point with the with the sticker shock um, and or it's taking a while for a dealer to come down and, and speak with you. So there's a there's a couple things right right there from the get go. Um, if you see a card with a, a sticker price on it or an asking price and you're not a, a 
a fan of that price or you had something else in mind, just make an offer. Like I, I know it's it's really cliche, but you you don't know what a dealer is willing to do unless you ask them. Um, I typically with the type of stuff that I have, I will lean on the higher side of an asking price, but that is fully with the intent that I I am ready to negotiate. Like I'm ready to to talk about this. And I, I try and mention that whenever I mention an asking price, I may as well just be putting a a sign on my head that says like I am a mark, lowball me or something like that. But I, I'm ready. Like I I would rather talk about this stuff than put a, a bottom dollar out there and just, and just see where we get. That's kind of how I've, I've always done, I've always done things. So um, I would say that if, if, if you see something that you like, but you're not necessarily feeling great about the price offers are always, always, always the, the next approach that, that you should take. I guess if someone's making an offer on something, like, what do you need from them? Do you need like, or what do you want? Or what do you not want? Like, do you need a justification, a story, this is what I'm seeing, or this sold, like, I don't know, like, when you get an offer, I would imagine an offer starts a conversation. But like, I guess, is there a, a right way to offer a dealer something in a show in a wrong way? Yeah, no, that's, that's a good question. Um, I, I think for, as we've learned the past, like two to three years, like, almost, there's so much stuff that has a, a market comp now. And you know, whether that's a LeBron Chrome 10 that's selling 100 times a week, or whether it's like a rare Jordan exquisite that hadn't popped up forever. And now, you know, three of them have sold in 12 months. Um, excuse me. Everything is like, or most stuff is likely going to have a starting point that is rooted in a public sale. So I think on the more commodity type cards, I think it's fair to, to start at, you know, this one sold for a thousand. Can you do 850? Because that's, that's basically, it's, it's 15%. It's the type of fees that you're going to play. You're going to pay if you send it off to a consignment house, or if a, a buddy just sells it for you to show, you know, a, a 15% haircut from a public sale on a card that transacts quite a bit. I, I think that's, I think that's a pretty fair starting point. Some guys will start lower. And again, that's, that's fine. I guess I do think that there is value in being able to see a card in person at a show and be able to purchase it at a show, looking at it in your hand versus online. Um, and I think that that should, and again, this is just my opinion as a dealer. I think there should be some sort of kind of give and take where if something sells for 15, you know, point taken, 15% rip after fees, 850 is a fair offer on something that's a thousand bucks. However, when you can see something in hand and know that, oh, this looks pretty clean. And conversely, not all two, not all scans are the same on eBay, on an auction house or whatever. Um, I do think that there is a, a bit of a concession um, from a buyer perspective or that, that I would hope to expect from a buyer perspective to be like, you know, this, you're, you're, you know exactly what you're getting because it's in your hand. Rolling the dice online, that's a different story, but you know exactly what you're getting with this card. And a lot of times guys do that, use that to their advantage because they just immediately they buy things up that they think are undergraded and cross them. So I think that is a, a small concession to make, but for commodity level cards or type cards um, that, that transact frequently, um, you know, 10 to 15% is typically a, a fair, I, I think a fair discount to offer. And again, there's other considerations too, like sales tax. You know, if, if you're not, everybody uses a vault account. So if you're having stuff shipped directly to your house and it's five, six, 7% sales tax that you're paying on online, then, you know, that's, it's another negotiation point. Again, there's there's all kinds of different ways to skin the pig, but just know that there's different, both sides can go back and forth on why it should be more versus why it should be less. 
But I would say for the stuff that sells more, expect to give deeper discounts. That's perfectly reasonable. For stuff that sells less, you know, then then it gets into a little more of a of a gray area in terms of you know this sold for it did sell for 10k, but what what have other ones similar to it sold for? Other players, other sets, the same player, the same set, whatever, things like that. So again, there's there's always going to be there's always going to be a concession. I typically expect 10 to 15 percent, regardless of of whatever it is, but you know, again, depending on the dealer situation, it could be more, or it could be less. So as long as you're not opening with like this card sells for a thousand bucks, I'll give you 500. It's like, if you're just coming off the rip like that, expecting someone to just completely have a brain fart to your advantage. It's just like, I, that's not how I operate or like respond to stuff like that. So if I'm walking up to your showcase, um, I would imagine there are cards that you, they're not like maybe PC cards for you. They're cards that you're looking to move and you're going in the show. You're like, I want to move these cards, get, mm-hmm. move them over so I can get the cash and either buy something else. But then there's these cards that you mentioned that uh, you're pulling out once a year. They're, they're probably sentimental to you in a way. But mm-hmm. as we, we walk up to your, your showcase, we might not know the, the difference from, yeah. from like your attachment. Like, I don't know, like how do you as a dealer, like, have that sort of conversation if someone's like interested in like negotiating one of those like key pieces that you're not necessarily wanting to sell, but you have a price on it and you're willing to move it if someone maybe matches the sticker price or you move a little mm-hmm. bit on it. Like how, how do you have those conversations? I, I try and be as transparent as possible about stuff like that. Um, and honestly, I will say for me personally that the items that are just like the ones that you described, where if I I make them available, but if I go home with them, it, I'm not, my feelings aren't hurt either. They will not have sticker prices. <laughs> I'm more than happy to discuss, <laughs> you know, if somebody, you asks what, if somebody asks what the price is, I'm more than happy to tell them and talk about it. And, you know, we can see where we get, but the, for me personally, the things that, the things that I will be more inclined to move and finagle on are the things that, that I'll be, I'll be pricing out. Hopefully <laughs> gotta, gotta price stuff out too, um, that I will be pricing out before the show. And again, I think that's, that's one, that's one other tips for, for first timers as well, that again, we won't get too deep in the weeds on, but if you bring a card to the national, whether it's, whether it's a dealer or an attendee, like you need to be ready to, to not go home with it. Because if you show it to somebody and you think you've got an astronomical price on it or a price that's the too good to be true price, and somebody comes back with 98% of too good to be true, you're going to be faced with a, de- a decision. It's like, oh boy, you know, what, what do I do here? Because this is, this is a, a lot of something and I was not ready for this. So just, just understand that if you come to the national with something, there's a very good chance that somebody is going to want to uh, make a deal for it, or they're, they're going to be interested regardless of what your price point is on that. Um, and I think to just as kind of a, a bit of a segue, I will say, and kind of similar to what we've been talking about too, but when you come up to a dealer and you start talking and there's a potential for uh, a trade aspect, please have cards either priced out or you have already comped them and you're, and you're ready to go with those numbers. You know, you don't, you don't have to go through the exercise of like putting price tags on everything. And, you know, to this, a similar degree that a dealer would, but like, you need to know what numbers you need on cards um, on when you start talking trades uh, because dealers and customers alike do not have time to sit there and pray to God that like card ladder, the internet is working and that you're going to be able to immediately reference card ladder at home um, or at the show, like you would at home, because it's not, the internet's going to start cranking around because everybody's going to be on Wi-Fi. 
the tables are going to get busy and you just won't have time to search for pricing uh, you know, when a dealer finally gets around to you. So I would say, whether it's adding your own price tags, maybe putting them on the back, just prepping an Excel file or emailing yourself a list that you can refer to on your phone. Like I said, I'm I'm old, so I'll have like a, a paper printout of like everything alphabetically by card by year with my asking price, my cost basis, and then like a middle ground of of what I'm willing to take. Just just have something ready where you know your numbers um, and you're ready to move as uh, efficiently and effectively as you can when a dealer finally gets to you because dealers are going to be slammed. You're going to have to wait. There's going to be a lot of waiting this week for any number of different things, probably more than um, you would hope for. And one of those times you're going to have to wait is just when dealer tables are busy and you know they they got to work down the line and, and just it's a first come first serve type deal. So it might take a dealer five, 10 minutes to get to you, um, which I know that sucks, but at the same time, if you can be ready to go with what you need on your stuff, then a dealer should be ready to go with what they need on their stuff. And you can you can hit the ground running whenever um, you start talking, talking deal details. Um, and then the, the last thing that I mentioned, if there's stuff that you're bringing that's, that's solely personal collection that you're just bringing to, to like show off to friends or something like that at a trade night or just sitting around talking cards and uh, meeting people for the first time and, and sharing collections. That's that's great. That's a big part of what the show is about. But please, if stuff's not available, please segregate that stuff either in a different area of your case or just like in a different box. Because I can't tell you that's a very big pet peeve of mine is when you get a case of cards that uh, that somebody is offering up as being available, but then you start flipping through them and you're like, how about this one now? This one now? This one now? Holding on to that one. This one, no, I don't think I'm ready to move it. It's just, it, it really, it really brings things kind of to a halt, and it it makes a a dealer or another another person that you meet who you might trade with just much less inclined to want to work a deal, um, because it kind of makes them makes gives the impression that you're not you're not serious about swapping stuff out. When in reality, that's that's not the case. But just the fact that those are true personal collection things, it's like, well, these are the things I like. If if they're not available, then we can just move on. So that's a lot of stuff, but it, it really boils down to just know your cards, know your prices. If you're, if you're cool with moving it, awesome. You know, throw it out there, see what, see what kind of bites you get. If you want to hang on to it also great, but, but please do not, you know, don't offer that up with the stuff that's, uh, that's actually available because that you just kind of run into, run into some snags when, when you're flipping through everything. One more on the trading front, um, because I think it might be important. Just the you mentioned, you know, your showcase is mostly high-end basketball. So mm-hmm. say I, I'm someone who maybe has come to your showcase for the second time and you've got a card in there that I really like and I might not have the cash, but I've got cards to maybe get into a trade conversation with you. Is Obviously, there are so many different types of cards, so many mm-hmm. high-end, low-end, mid-end. Do, does the person coming up to you trying to facilitate a trade with you, does it have to match the types of cards that are in your showcase, or does that not matter as much in a trade scenario? Maybe talk a little bit yep. through like that the approach when someone's making an approach and having it be something that like doesn't necessarily waste up a bunch of time, but at least you can get into a productive conversation. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think it's it's definitely important to uh, to just kind of understand your audience. Um, so if for my example, I. 99% of, of what I collect is basketball. So if if everything that you have is like is football slabs, then that might not necessarily be the best match. You know, is if it's like 
don't get I, at the indie show. I traded for a football card, and I know that is shocking to people. But if it's stuff like that are easy for my dumb non-football brain to figure out, like a Brady contenders or Brady autos or like nice Peyton Manning stuff, stuff like the rare stuff that matches like the rare basketball that I have, mm-hmm. you know, then that's that's a different story. That's a an interesting good talk for for both of us to have. Um, and I would even back up as to say, like, I'll still look through whatever. I mean, dealers are at their booth. Once once the show gets rolling, dealers don't really leave their booths at all. So there, there's nothing wrong with taking two, three minutes to flip through, um, flip through a, a display case and just and just see what's in there. Cause you you really do, you really do never know. But in the instance, like I just mentioned, if if you have all like Jalen Hurts prism color slabs and you're interested in like a, an MJ auto for me, then like it's context clues might dictate that that's that we might not have a, a good match uh, in a situation like that. But at the same time, you know, that, that it's, there's guys who do all sports and they're willing to trade up, down, sideways. They're, they'll trade a thousand dollar card for 10 cards that add up to whatever the number needs to be. And that's no issue. And, and I'm, I'm certainly open to, to trading down or uh, for multiple cards or, or trading multiple cards of mine up for something that's bigger. Um, but just with the kind of the, the, agreement or understanding that like if i'm if i'm trading something that's a thousand dollars and i'm trading down for two three four five cards depending on the more cards that are added the more value that i would like to get in return on a trade like that just because it's going to involve more inventory and more time and more fees and things like that so um again i I just think that it's important to kind of use context clues to the best of your advantage um and again whether it's the um, what the dealer has in the the showcases in front of him. Maybe it's the the ratio of things that he has in front of him. Like if he's three cases of soccer and one case of, of hockey or something like that, then they might not, you know, be looking for Lamelo Ball Prism rookies or something like that. But I will say one of the things that helps too is, you know, if if time and situational awareness kind of allows for it, you know, strike up a conversation with the dealer. Just be like, you know, it it doesn't need to be tell me your life story, but you know, how's the show going? Anything in particular you're looking for? What's been selling well for you? What are people asking about? Just things like that, that not only does that allow, like allow you to, to start to build a bit of a rapport with um, a dealer or the other uh, person that you're chatting with, but like you can, that's valuable information. So like if you have certain guys that like we alluded to before, where you're, you've prioritized them as, as being the type of guys that you'd like to move away from and, and maybe get out from underneath uh, a few of those losses and a dealer is mentions that person directly, or as you can kind of tell that that's they're, they're getting somewhere in the same realm and you can be like, okay, cool. So maybe I can try and lead with, Hey, I've got some of this player or this, this team or this set or whatever. Um, and it's, it's beneficial to, um, to, to both of you. Um, because I think that's, that's important to remember is like dealers collect too. Like I collect stuff. Every single guy that's there will collect something in some way, shape, or form. And if you can, if you can find out what that thing is, and you have some of the things that check some of those boxes for um, another, another party, um, that's, again, that's super valuable information that, that you can use uh, to your advantage to try and um, get the best trade scenario or deal scenario for yourself that, um, that you possibly can. So like I said, things do get very busy. And if a I know a bunch of dealers, they'll have, you know, 12, 15 guys stand at the table. So maybe it's not, not ideal for a situation like that. But um, if, if you are able to make that, um, that connection, 
um, I would say that's that'll go a long way in terms of, like I said, just letting a, a dealer know that you're kind of a, a person too, and you just have a, a couple sentences of conversation, and um, you can also learn some stuff about about what it is that they're trying to uh, to do on their end, and and hopefully make the most of that. I want to close it out with this one because I think I've heard various perspectives and. Uh, I just love to hear yours from the, from the dealer side. Is that like, you know, this happened to me uh, last year going in, it's so overwhelming. There's, mm-hmm. You're going to hit tables. You're going to see friends. You're going to want to buy cards right away. I'm sure you're going to get people that are stopped by your booth and they're going to say to you, Hey, I'm going to probably come back for that one. What is your advice? I know like there's no really like holding of cards, but like, what is your advice to someone that's out there sees a card that they like, but they're not quite sure of buying it right away. I'm sure you get these questions all the time, but any feedback that you can provide from the dealer's perspective, I think would be helpful. It definitely happens a lot. I think as a a good sales tactic for a dealer should be to offer up your booth information of where you're located. Um, because a lot of times I don't, I, and I mean, I'll, I'll do it too. Just things are going and you just forget, but like, somebody will say that and then they'll just walk away and and then it's on them to like try and come back and figure out where you were. And like, it's, it, it's, it's so funny because I do it all the time too, but it's like, I'll go to a dealer booth and I'll tell myself, remember where this booth is because they have something you want. But instead of writing down the booth number or just typing in like a notes app, I'll look up and be like, okay, so I'm like four rows over roughly from the Beckett booth and two rows below tops. And yeah, that'll do it. I'll, I'll remember that. And it's like, no, there's no chance in hell. So a good sales tactic from a dealer. Um, but then just something, a good, a good rule of thumb for yourself is just ask the dealer their booth number. Um, and that way you can actually cycle back to it. I, I will say it's, again, I guess there's varying degrees of like, I, I'll think about that because if, if it's a card that you're there for and it's, it's a, it's a top, top five, top 10 personal collection item that you've been looking for, it's probably better to try and knock it out while you're there instead of walking away. Um, even if that means conceding a little bit more value than you wanted to, because the nice stuff usually moves regardless of price point and the rare stuff mm. usually moves regardless of price point, because that's the stuff that people are going to be asking about the most. That's the the ones that are going to get the most questions of, oh, wow, you know, it's a, you know, a PMG green or it's a Rubies or it's a, it's, it's an MJ auto or a nice Mahomes or like a, a nice Ronaldo. It's like, that's the stuff that everybody that everybody asks about. And it's just kind of a, a law of large numbers type deal where if somebody's asking about one card, a, a lot more than another card, then there's a higher likelihood that that card that gets more interest is, is going to move. So if it's something that you prioritize for yourself of like, can't believe there's one of these here, I would be very careful with the, I'll think about it and, and moving on. Um, if it's, if it's something where you're just, you're just window shopping and, you know, a bunch of this stuff, you're going to see, see the same card on the showroom floor at, um, two, three, four, five different price points, and you're just your value shopping. Then yeah, that that makes sense. Um, because if anything, it's one of those ones I saw. I saw a dealer had it for ninety five percent of your your X. Can you do ninety percent of your ask? And some some dealers might just blow you off and be like, "Screw you, go buy it from the other guy." Which I, I've definitely heard that happen. Um, but then other dealers will be like, "Yeah, that's fine. That makes sense because they were ready to negotiate. Mm-hmm. It's, you didn't get that far." So just kind of understanding what the what the cards are that um, that you're kind of considering that that make or break option and whether or not that makes sense for for what it is that that the card is and what you're hoping to accomplish with that card are are uh, are good questions to to ask yourself 
And sometimes you do, you do get lucky where like it's, it's there on a Thursday and you come back on a Saturday and you know, you can, as a, as a customer, you can give the still got it, huh? And you, you'll get the dealer like, yep, I still got it. Um, <laughs> and you know, then you can, then you can start, start grinding away, but yeah, just, just understand why, what the card is and, and why it is that you think you, you need or want that card. And I think that'll, that'll help you kind of set your navigation course for whether or not to walk away or, or hunker down and, and see what, seeing if you can get something done. Tons of good information in this one. Hopefully you out there listening have some uh, new information that you can use from the dealer side when you're going into the national on how to navigate deals. Justin, plug that booth one more time. I can't remember the number and I'm sure people listening to this point uh, forgot as well. So plug it. You'll be the guy who's actually 6'10 with some high-end basketball cards, but where can people find you? That's true. Yes. It'll be, it'll be booth 2845. Like I said, if you're looking at the floor plan map on the NSCC show website, it's, it's kind of tucked in the back left corner by the, uh, the autograph pavilion. But um, like I said, we, we face, we look into the show, so we won't have our backs turned to you, which is good. That's always a huge pet peeve of mine. I hate not being able to, to see people coming at me. Um, but yeah, we're, we're booth 2845. Um, and also the thing I always leave with, with everybody, regardless of what we're talking about is if, if anybody does have questions, just like, shoot me a DM on Instagram. Like I'm more than, I'm more than happy to help with logistics questions or show questions, stuff like that. If it's value questions and it's like, should I buy this? It's like, I, that's on you, not me. Um, but if you have questions about the show first timer, regardless of how many times you've been there, just let me know. And, uh, and I'll, I'll see how I can help. Awesome. Go visit Justin. Justin, have a great national. And you know, when this time comes on again next year, we'll have to get you back on because you are Mr. National Content Man. So thank I gotta, you. Man. I got to start charging an appearance fee. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Some by the hour. But yeah, man, no, it's it's a blast. And this is the stuff that really gets the gets the juices flowing, especially since we're only seven, seven or eight days away from uh, doors opening. So super excited again. I appreciate it. And it was, uh, it was always a great catching up with you. Always love chopping it up with Justin. If you're going to the National in Atlantic City, make sure you stop by his booth and tell him what's up take care of yourself take care of others around you we will be back as always more stacking slabs on the other side of this peace out